Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Fairfax. We hope you enjoy this sermon from a recent Sunday worship service. There was a night some years back when lightning literally struck and my best friend's house burned down. I don't say that to be dramatic, still less to elicit condolence, merely to offer up a moment of life as it actually is. The wonder and the beauty and the devastation in which we all move every single day. And even if one approaches such an event, an event from the sky, from above, unpredictable, without an amount of maudlin emotion, the fact remains that on that night on which it was cold, my friend and her wife and their two kids and their dog, they stood there in that rain while the space that had been their master bedroom leapt into flames around them. In the darkness, they whispered to each other, we all walked out of that house and neighbors enfolded them with love and helpers came out of the woodwork. Some have said that God is not in the events of a natural disaster, but in our response to them. God is not in the lightning bolt. God is in the enfolding arms of neighbors, the absence of God made known when there are no arms to enfold us and keep us safe. But my friends were lucky. The world was crammed with God that night. And in the days following the fire, my friend and her wife, they asked their little five-year-old girl what it was that would make her feel at home in this world, no matter where she was, even though their house was gone and most of her toys gone with it. They asked her what it was that would make her feel at home in this world even so. And her answer, she said, was corn dogs. <laughs> And so they fed that child corn dogs and then more corn dogs and all the corn dogs she ever will want for her entire life that child will get and they are okay and they are rebuilding and they are being home for each other. Just this week in Memphis, video came out that I cannot and will not bring myself to watch video in which Memphis police officers held down Tyree Nichols, a 29-year-old black man, and took turns punching and kicking him as he pleaded for them to stop repeatedly uttering this phrase, I am just trying to get home. He uttered that phrase into the darkness, I am just trying to get home. Nichols died in the hospital three days after that supposedly mundane little traffic stop and the beating that followed it. He is not okay, nor is his family, nor are his people, when a sense of safety of home, when he and his community had that underpinning sense of safety taken from them, not by some unusual and rare flash of lightning, but by the plodding, every day, ever grinding gears of injustice, nothing is okay. I was just trying to get home, he said. Aren't we all? And when community does not hold us, when community refuses to hold us, when the systems will not hold us, because community is broken and injustice closes in, some of us cannot survive the long, cold nights before we get back home 
and we have a chance of being safe and sound again. Today, these voices raised so beautifully in song, these instruments singing of ancestry, of the land of their foremothers, and all those who fought for it, who fight for it still, of the home that has always been their own for the people of Ukraine, even as the hostility and hunger brought about by empire and by despots who do not know what it means to call Ukraine home makes incursions over and over again on their safety today. We hear the songs of home. And we know that we human beings, we yearn for home and the safety that it represents. This is not news. We are so often displaced from real connection. We are so often adrift in a dangerous world. That is not news either. What I think is worth raising up for you today is the fact that we all yearn in this way. None of us is unique in the yearning for home and thus in our shared loneliness, in our shared sense of exile from a world in which we might feel fully safe. The long labored journeys we all take toward home, we are not alone. A number of years ago, I knew this successful suburban businessman in my church who loved nothing more than to talk about his hometown. He loved to talk about the place he grew up. We'd sit in coffee hour at my church and we'd make a proper hour of it, I'm telling you. Him talking and me listening about this place in upstate New York or bucolic suburban Connecticut, I honestly cannot remember. <laughs> where it was, but I remember the details that he described to me of his home, the smell of old dark wood in his childhood church, perched there on the corner of Main Street in the shadow of some long shuttered factory, the neighborhood parties in the paper route and the lily white moms in their 50s house dresses he told me of and his dog and his school and all the small town characters that for some reason in the bucolic places everyone seems to put up with. <laughs> if I am to be honest, after several such conversations at several such coffee hours, the whole exercise became for me a bit tedious. How wonderful, I said in my inner monologue, that you apparently grew up in Mayberry. <laughs> How wonderful. But now what? Why weep when you speak of a long lost home now? Why shake with the sheer force of memory when you imagine the taste of those long gone potluck dinners? After all, here was this man like so many of us. He worked and had friends and went bowling and came to church on Sunday where he sat over cups of fair trade coffee and remembered the good old days in some other place, which is the only thing he could imagine was home. He had a life in this place, a good one. So why still these shaking sobs when he remembered the only place in a life of over 60 years that had ever felt like home? Surely you know the answer, as I did, as he did. Maybe his remembered Mayberry was really that perfect. Very likely it never was. But one thing was certain. In that place that he remembered when he was a boy, he did not feel alone. And in his life, 
not so far from here. He often did. And that was the source of the tears, a deep and almost desperate yearning to feel that connected again, not just to a place, but to a people, a community based on something other than transactional reciprocity and the continued performance of our excellence. Have you ever lived that, the continued performance of your excellence, DC suburbs people here in Fairfax? <laughs> and when we name that truth together, that there in coffee hour and the conversation that we were having, what we were weeping together about was not just his story or a lost and somewhat sanitized memory, but the deep and abiding yearning we all feel to get home. Our brains and our evolutionary imperatives, our spirits, they're all aligned to cause us to yearn for community. And so the yearning for home is the response in the human animal to the sense that without a people to call our own, a place to call our own, we are unprotected, we are at risk, we are alone. And so the yearning for home is a yearning not for a place as such, but for a people and the relative safety that comes with them. Home or at least that thing we call home and which we most deeply yearn for. It is not a place. It is not even exactly a single person. What it is, I think, is a way of being in relationship to others. It is a feeling of mutual dependence, of shared vulnerability, of commitment to each other's safety over and against a risky, devastating, and frightening world. You know, perhaps, the legend of the Odyssey, that age-old narrative of Greek mythology which tells of King Odysseus and his seemingly endless efforts to find his way home after the Trojan War. I think of the Odyssey as literature's best and most epic road trip movie. In it, Odysseus is the king of a little-known place called Ithaca. Our hero faces both his demons and the worlds on his multi-year trek over wine-dark seas to get back to that place. And when he gets there, having traveled through both hell and high water, he sees nothing in Ithaca is exactly as he had left it. And he bemoans his fate. And he imagines there is no home left for him in this world. Until finally, with one last battle, he finds his way not just to the land he called his home or the house he'd built with his own hands, but the arms of his wife, Penelope. And the ancient text tells us that when finally he let go of jealousy and rage and even the corrosive forces of nostalgia, he at last found peace. It was not Ithaca he longed for after all, but her. He longed as the sun-warmed earth is longed for by a swimmer spent in rough waters when the ship went down. We yearn for relationships free from the ferocity of a dangerous world. Those relationships are dry land for the drowning, shelter from the wind-bitten cold, the roof of connection over our ego-driven heads. And I know all that is some high-vaunted romance of a sort not felt by many or perhaps most. And yet, it is not so, uh, so rare or so unique to come to the realization that what you have been longing for all this time, through all of your journeys, is not the place where all your stuff is, 
but a connection to a world worthy of love and the people who will work to defend it. What we furnish a home with is, after all, ourselves. And what we yearn for is not a pile of bricks, but a container to hold ourselves, a container of honest relationship in which the best aspects of who we are butt up against the best and most complicated aspects of those we love. And perhaps this is the only work we are called to do, to build a better world where we can be home for each other, where more of us more often can make it out alive. I say we should be a homing people, like homing beacons or homing pigeons, pointing the way for others toward a place of safety, a collective identity, a sense of wholeness, indicating in our words and in our deeds that life is not an isolated journey on stormy seas, but a path to interconnection, and we can be homing people for one another, even when we have no guarantee of reciprocity from the rest of the world. What would it take from the center of whatever loneliness you might feel to reach out with a gesture of home to someone else? What would it take to be home, to do some homing in this world, even if you yourself are so very lonely? What would it take to be the one who knows and shows that God is not in the dramatic action from above, but in the reaction from the people around you? When the fires burn and injustice transforms itself yet again into a barrage of fists and violence as empires pillage and the mighty rob the ancestral homes of the people, we gather to do the work of homing for one another because as human creatures we are made for this purpose, to yearn for home, to find it in each other, to fight for it when it is robbed from our fellow travelers who are just trying to get home. To give home away, along with its sense of safety and warmth after every long cold night. To give it away, over and over again, as the precious gift it is, so that none might make their way alone. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Fairfax. To find more sermon podcasts, Go to uucf.org slash worship hyphen services and scroll down to sermon podcast.